Hey guys, I'm here for my first official podcast. Aludra? Makala? Where is everybody? Hello? Wait, I found a note. Hang on. Aludra and I are off shopping. I took the credit card. Be home soon. Love, Makala. What? So I'm the new AIE podcast host, and I have no hosts. Let's consult the spreadsheet and see who we can call. On this episode of the AIE podcast... Alec has an odds take over the show! In control we are! Oh, oh and Nertacular is coming. Molten Core and Secret Santa in WoW. Hey, you got money for Christmas? Well, Steam wants it. Tercio and Stupid Genius are here to talk to us all about Eve and uh, all about AIE and Eve Online. All that and more coming up right now. Bringing you the latest news from the AIE gaming community from Planet Earth and beyond. This is the AIE podcast. Welcome to episode 219 of the podcast celebrating the Aaliyah Iocta Est gaming community. This is Tetsemi. Over here in the silly pants is Alakaz. Hey, 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 hey. Those are my Captain Silly's pants. <laughs> so you will refer to me in proper terms. I am Captain Silly Pants. Aye, aye, Captain Silly Pants. And right over there, being overly dramatic, is Hunts the Wind. Broadcasting across all of Azeroth, I am Hunts the Wind. This week we're joined by special guests Tercio and Stupid Genius, or as we call him, Stu, who are here to talk to us about AIE in EVE Online. Welcome, Stu and Tercio. Hey, everybody. Howdy, howdy. Um, so let's find out what everyone's been doing in real life because I know the holidays are creeping up on everyone, so some people haven't had as much time to game, and other people have had way too many time, much to game, uh, way too much time to game. So uh, let's start with Alakaz. What have you been up to in or out of game? Uh, well, you know, so not a ton in game, as scary as that is. Um, starting to tank some heroics in WoW. Uh, I've gone back to a little bit of SWOTOR. But really, it's just been real life. It has been nonstop real life parties, work, all sorts of crazy holidayness. Uh, so I'm hoping the holidays will be over soon. Or wait, no, I'm on vacation next week. I get to game! Yay! Yay! <laughs> so, so that that that's my plan. Awesome. And Hunts, how about you? Well, of course, in-game, being a dedicated altaholic, I've been uh, discovering the fun of cycling through, what, seven, eight, nine characters, uh, getting followers sent out on missions. Uh, that by itself takes a half an hour, 45 minutes just uh, to get through each time, twice a day. And uh, having recently moved to Miami, this is our first holiday, my wife and I, uh, in, in a place that is warm. It was kind of strange. Yesterday we went down to the Everglades with some friends to do some touristy stuff, and I'm walking around in shorts and, you know, T-shirt, and it's 80 <laughs> degrees out in late December, and I'm thinking, yeah, I, I could kind of get used to this. <laughs> <laughs> and now you see the attraction, yes. <laughs> and and, and Hunts, you're playing Garrison Craft 2? 
<laughs> yeah, it, uh, I did get my second character to 100, so now I, I finally have a character who has a barn that will be able to do Savage Blood, so I'm looking forward to up starting the upgrade grind on, on some of my gear pieces. I'm using right. Primal Spirits just with uh, alt, my alts whenever they gather them. So I'm having them buy and ship off to Al. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you can do 50, what is it, 50 Primal Spirits for the blood. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I just got my second character to 100 and did the um, barn and the stables on that character hunts. So I'm right there with you. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, Stu, what have you been up to in or out of game lately? Well, I actually picked up uh, Warlords, and I'm playing through Garrison Craft as well. <laughs> um, I One have a level... Us. One Level 97 uh, right. Pandaren Monk Brewmaster that is nice. uh, spending a lot of time in the garrison, doing a lot more of that than questing, but slowly getting through that. Also been playing a ton of uh, Diablo 3 on PC for uh, Reapers and Souls and Adventure Mode yep. and Bounties and so forth. It's been great playing with some AIE folks there. Of course, playing a ton of EVE, there's always stuff going on there, stuff that needs to be moved, and timers and so forth. So we'll talk a bit about that later on, though. Yep. And Tercio, I, I don't, uh, having just joined the podcast, I don't know if this is your first time on the podcast, but what have you been up to in or out of game? Well, with the holidays coming up, it's a busy time for me, so I've been working a lot. Um, also, just been going to a couple holiday parties. Not a lot of time in gaming, um, just playing EVE. Um, one day I will get Warlords, probably, but I haven't been sucked yep. in yet, so ha ha ha. <laughs> guys won't get Join me yet. Us. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's really interesting. Yeah, it, it's interesting to see how many people came back, and, I, and we're seeing people that essentially skipped Mists and left, like, shortly after Cataclysm launched, they left the game, we didn't see them at all during Miss, and then they came back for this. So it, it's an interesting dichotomy, and wow. Yeah, well, whereas and, I was there for most of Mists, and now I'm just taking time off. Yeah. Nice. Well, exactly. and as we know, Tetsemi, when you upgrade your garrison, it comes with free bacon. So that, <laughs> exactly. That's bringing people back. Wait, wait, free bacon? <laughs> right. Why wasn't we told about this? Because <laughs> you got to get to 100. <laughs> that's why we have so many alts we're, we're hoping to get that many alts to 100 that's more bacon for us Right there you go All right. well, three things All right. three things. exactly alright we'll be digging into Eve shortly but first let's cover this week's news AIE This is more of Frog Pants in general news, but the dates for Nerdtacular have been announced. That's right. The evening of Thursday, July 40th, July 40th? Wow. <laughs> July wow. 30th for the reception. Dates are hard. Uh, and Friday, July 30th, and Saturday, August 1st for the official event. So, again, that's July 30th, which is a Thursday for the reception, and then Friday and Saturday, August. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming Friday is July 31st. <laughs> I think so. Uh, oh, I'm going off the, the notes we that we got. allow you to do math inside our raid team? Oh, I see. Yeah, I see what happened. <laughs> so let's try this again. Thursday, July 30th for the reception. Friday, July 31st. And Saturday, August 1st for the official event. There we go. Um, 
We're again at the fabulous Snowbird Resort, and again, the discount rate is NERD15, N-E-R-D-1-5. Uh, put that in with the, the website or when you call and make your reservations for the Nerdtacular discount. Uh, if you've never been to Nerdtacular, you need to go. It's a great event celebrating the people at the heart of the Frog Pants community, and there's usually a huge AIE contingency as well. In WoW news, uh, if you want to do Molten Core but can't stand LFR with 39 random people, gosh, I know I can't. <laughs> Ro is planning one last trip tonight uh, in a raid. Uh, we'll be forming up at a 10.45 Eastern time, uh, so that would be 7.45 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, no sign-up is actually necessary. you want to keep your eye on AIE LFR and Guild Chat that evening to really find out what's going on. Uh, for those who are not listening for the live recording, sorry about the updatedness. Check the forums. <laughs> it's there. <laughs> the guild's self-proclaimed eldest member, Dinchel, has put together an in-game secret Santa. Put yourself on AIE's naughty <laughs> or nice. Who really wants to be nice? Boring. I know, right? We're horde. We're supposed to be naughty. <laughs> there's a link in the forums. Again, there's those forums things. I better check those right? out. Use the forums. <laughs> I know. Thank Tinchel for being Great Father Winter's personal elf. And there's a lot more great groups forming up, rep grinding, leveling groups, raiding. Everything's going on. We know that uh, Warlords has just come out. Uh, I know, Stu, you were talking about you sucked in. It's now getting to that point where raiding is happening. I know that uh, heroics have become part of it. So really check out the forums. Really look. You're going to find tons of different groups. You're going to find tons of different people looking to gather together. I know I think almost every night now I'm trying to run a heroic Trying being the operative word. <laughs> Depends on how long it takes to be able to get uh, where I need to be. So really be checking those forums. All right. We now turn the page to Star Wars. Happy third anniversary to AIE and SWOTOR. And going on tonight, yes, tonight at 9 p.m. Eastern. Gee, if you thought our mention of the raid coming up in WoW was soon to be outdated, this is even going to be more outdated quickly. Uh, <laughs> The anniversary celebration is happening at 9 p.m. Eastern, which is all of 45 minutes from now if you're listening live. Max and the crew plan on a world boss hunt, holiday music, and there's a rumor, it's a rumor, of presence. The plan is to start out on the Imperial side and meet on the Guild ship and then move back and forth over to the Republic side, depending upon interest. And also, along with the holiday season, we have the SOTOR 2014 Life Day event, and that is running from December 16th to January 6th of 2015. And there are many great rewards, mounts, and pets. No, no wait a second. I'm, uh, Aludra, I know you're going to listen to this later. I'm not trying to steal your material. You know, you, you do the pets, but uh, you weren't here, so I've got to do it here. Okay. But there are going to, there are going to be pets. Snow-covered parcels are the main currency used in this event. You can get them randomly by throwing the Life Day a snowball bomb waha, at other players, and there's a 15% chance to receive parcels. There's a link in the show notes for more on the 2014 Life Day event guide, and that is going on right now. And Hunts, just guard your shins. It's a Ludra. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> she will whack you with a cane. All right. 
In Secret World and Star Trek Online, in case you didn't get enough info last week from Beefmaster on the Steam sale, two AIE staples are on sale. The Secret World is currently 25% off, and DLC for Star Trek Online is up to 50% off, as well as the Le Legacy Pack. I wanted to say Legendary. I've been in Warlords too much. Legacy Pack for $74.99 instead of $149.99. Wow. That's a heck of a savings. That would be 50% uh, off if I do my math correctly. Ted's yes. does math. Ted's does exactly. math. Yes, he does. Well, and there are links to uh, there are links to both in the forums. Go to the forums. For forums, forums, kind of a big deal it seems. And like. a funny thing will happen on your way to the forum. What, what's that? We like forums so much. Sorry, we put some forums in your bad, forums. Bad musical reference from my my days. That's right. <laughs> Not a problem. Because hey, if you check out the forums, Captain Hunter has also announced that in AI that AIE in Star Trek Online is dangerously close to earning the 2014 holiday ornament to hang in the starbase itself. Uh, they've wrapped up a few of the requirements, but still need a new few. Uh, Terran ornaments and some other candles. I, I'm not that much of a Trekkie. Help me! <laughs> Looks like Bolian. Bolian is where I'm going to go with that. Yeah, Bolian candles. Yep. Jump into STO or Star Trek Online, whichever way you want to say that, to see how you can help. And if you go to the forums, you can see what they need to go after that 2014 ornament. Crazy. Yep. So I think that's our news. T t where do we go from here? And with that, let's get back to Stu and Tercio and find out what's going on in EVE. Welcome. Howdy, howdy. So uh, uh, you guys have probably heard me on the podcast before. You know, Stu, stupid genius. Uh, Tercio is a little bit newer player to AIE View. Uh, so I brought him on along uh, to kind of talk about some of the stuff he's been up to, as well as some kind of a new player experience is as of late uh, with AIE and, of course, just generally EVE Online. Um, so, Tercio, uh, first off, I guess, is there anything you like to talk about uh, first off? Well, I just want to start like talking about like the new player experience. I first tried EVE back in 2006, 2007, when there was like, oh, hey, you're in this game. Bye, have fun. It was a complete just sandbox intro of, here's your ship, good luck. If the I opposite of hand-holding. Yeah, yes, it's the exact opposite of hand-holding. It's more like, hey, you were just born, um, you have no parents, bye, have fun. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now go to school, and you need to go to school, but you yeah. can make that choice yourself. Yeah, if you don't want to go to school, don't go to school. But it's um, when I started playing again a little, about a year ago, um, it's, I've noticed it's, it, they really do teach you the very basics of how to play now. And when I say the very basics, it's like, do this to do this. Not if that's going to be something good for you to do, or that's the way you should do it. So it's very basic. It's gotten better, and I'm hoping there's... They, CCP still says they're working on making it better, and I'm hoping they do. Because I have some real-life friends who want to get into it, but they look at it and go, Why? Why should I? Yeah, it just so looks like I'm going to have to work. Recently, I think back in... Um, I think in October, CCP... Uh, announced that they have been uh, again doubling down on the new player experience, and I think they even got to the point that they're doing people. They were so CCP is based in Iceland, and and uh, they are um, Icelandic company, and so Iceland's a pretty small company or a small 
country overall. But uh, what I've noticed is is that the uh, or what they what they announced is that they're bringing people off the street and kind of just having them look at Eve and seeing where they get stuck, where some pain points of like people who have zero experience with Eve. And so it's very interesting to learn. Uh, they're learning a bunch of things there, and of course they're trying other things as well beyond just that. Uh, but it, they are getting to the point where they're trying to really refine it, and they've gotten rid of some things that are pain points, and they're trying to still leave enough there to make it helpful. Uh, actually, CCP recently released a, a very popular video called This is Eve that got a lot of new players interested. I mean, a record sign-ups. For, I, think, uh, I think it exceeded the new player t- sign-ups. Uh, since the game was launched, like the number per day or per hour, it exceeds the yeah, number. Yeah, I saw that video. Launch. It, it's, it, it's really well done. Yes, and so that video, for those who, who haven't seen it or who may have not, who maybe just heard about it, it's a video that's uh, taken from all in-game, or excuse me, all uh, voice communications from real fleets. So you have um, people from all over EVE Online, from the high sec people to the mission runners to uh, null sec battles and bombers and, and so forth. And you have their comms or communications that they're on. Like on in AIE, we have Mumble, and, then, and so they use similar uh, similar things uh, throughout. Um, and so they, they've taken snippets from all these different fleets that they asked for, I mean, months back, and they put it with a really cool video that matches up with the things that are happening in the communications or in the comms. Uh, with a little bit of a uh, uh, different um, take on the video as far as they're using their uh, Jessica Cinema engine to uh, make the visuals pretty and so forth. Gotcha. And I think uh, we sorry, just one second. Sorry, one second. <laughs> I, I'll, no pick up, I'll pick up for you, for you, Stu. So, yeah, they took the voice communications, and they they put out a video about this. They also looked at the engagements themselves to build the animations around them to make them look interesting. And they sprinkled in some in-game visuals, too, for some of it. But it's just really well put together, and it's, it, I would say it's the closest thing without actually just being pure in-game video that they've made that's close to what the game is really like. Yeah, because I, I know a lot of, you know, when you first get into EVE, now they've got the, the tutorial there that kind of walks you through, here's what you need to do. But without, you know, if you're coming in just off the street, and and not having a support group or an in-game, you know, set of people you can talk to, you can you can get overwhelmed depending on the type of, of game player you are. But there's there's so much fun in in Eve. I, you know, I still every once in a while will fire it up and and do you know a couple of days of game time just to go look at my character and look at the ship and and then you know and go I could play this. I just don't have time. But I love the game. So Eve just recently had well. So last time we were ta- on, we were talking about jump fatigue and all the fun that was coming in Phoebe. And sorry for the the break there. I had a, a dog invasion, so to speak. Oh, no problem. <laughs> um, so uh, the last time we talked, we were talking about Phoebe and all the jump fatigue and and all the long distance changes that were coming with that. And that has all came in and came and passed. As well as actually, we just had at the beginning of December another pat uh, another you know a, a content expansion. Uh, labeled Rhea. Uh, it released a handful of new ships, including a whole new class of ships titled the uh, 
tactical destroyers or T3 destroyers, and so those allow you to, uh, similar to the tactical, or excuse me, the tier three strategic cruisers that you've seen before, such as the Tengu, uh, the Loki Legion, and Proteus, you now have a T3, Tech 3 uh, destroyer, which is at first only being released with the Amar class due to the way that the Confessor has, or excuse me, the name of the ship is called the Confessor, and the Amarian ship uh, gets it first, or the Amarian Empire gets it first because they are uh, the ones who won the uh, in-game event for getting the most data cores. So there was oh, nice. an in-game event for... Uh, all the players to collect as many uh, blue loot as they call it from wormholes, and whoever sold it to whichever empire. And so, you, as a player, you can go and you know loot this loot from uh, and wormholes, and then bring it back to Empire Space, and you can sell it to whichever faction you want to, you know, sell it to. And when you do that, you have a chance to. Uh, you had a chance to build up the numbers, and it just came out that Amar won, and so they got the Confessor. And the cool thing with the Tactical Destroyer is it has three modes. It has a Sniper mode, a Speed mode, and a uh, Defensive mode, I believe is the three, if I remember correctly. And uh, you can switch between them in space. Uh, there's a slight cooldown uh, on that, and you have to you can't do it in combat. But, for example, if you're out and you see that your enemies are going to have a different comp than you, you can you can go through and edit or you could change your, your your fleet to match that new that new different comp that they have. So that's a cool thing. And of course all the other empires are getting their own uh, tech three or tactical destroyer. It's just they're going to be released slowly. So next right. next release in January is going to is called Proteus. That's the name of the release. It's going to have the um, I believe it's Kaldari, if I remember correctly. And uh, that they're going to be the next one to get it, and and they're going to go through that way. And so game wise, it also matches better to be able to. Uh, as far as like lore, you know, technology will slowly spread across the empires instead of all of them just releasing the same ship at the same time. Right. So here's a, here's a question: They released it for the Amar race. So could you, as a Amar, you had the Amar racial, could you get the ship, repackage it up, and send it off? Or deliver it to somebody else and and let them use it, or is it strictly this will only work for the Amar race? Um, the the races aren't strictly enforced like they like it's not like Alliance and Horde and WoW. So it it being a Marian race is just a matter of what, who like designed it, lore wise and so forth. Right. To be able to fly it, you just have to train the I, I don't know the exact skill off the top of my head, but it's like the tactical destroyer skill. Um, right. or of that race, and then you can you can bring it into Kaldari space or Galente space, and you could sell it to somebody else, and it doesn't matter who you sell it to. It's just they gotcha. get it. Yeah, I so it's it's the skill. It's the skill. So if you don't have the Amari flight training with that skill, then you can't fly it. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. So okay. I can be Galente if I wanted to. I just have to be able to learn to speak and read. Um, you know the the how the controls will be let out so that I could basically pilot the ship. Yeah, you would have to okay. learn the exact skill for that for that race, and then you can learn the skill for the ship itself. Yeah, and as so, far as the the races go, it it's not very um, 
very de- definitive. Like if you start out as an Omarian or you start as a Glente pilot, the difference between you and a person who goes Amarian or so forth is only about uh, three to three uh, three hours to about a half a day worth of training. Other than that, you can fly all the same ships. You can choose to change and, and train for a different ship. All of it's you know it's all up to you at that point. And so when we're right. when we have a new player that comes in, we tell them to pick the the uh, race and faction that most appeals to them, either the look or the lore or the history of it or however so forth. Because, for example, the Mimitar are are slaves, and so they're, they're, they're tribal and they have really rusty ships, uh, but they're like yep. a, they've, they've formed like a tribe and so forth, and so you might like them because they're rebellious slaves, and so you might like that because, for example, the Amara are kind of the slave owners in this case, and so you may not like that. You may not like their ultra-religious theocracy, and so you can choose based off that who you want to go to, and and within each faction, there's three different um, look types for each of them as well, and Eve has one of the best character creators in the game, which is kind of, or in the world that that I've seen, which is kind of ironic, because of course, most of the time you don't see your pilot, you just see (laughs) your ship. Uh, but, but you yeah. can get out and walk around now, so you're good. <laughs> yeah, you can walk around the, the captain's quarters, but that's about it. Yeah. So I do have a quick question surrounding you know new player experience, uh, it, since you guys were talking about it a little bit. Uh, how quickly are you able, as a new player coming through the through this game, able to get out there and realistically start interacting? You know, because AIE were a corporation, how quickly would they... Would you have someone be able to be part of corp uh, actions? Uh, Stu, would you say day one? Yeah, I mean, it, it, the, so if, if you're a brand new character, we're probably not going to tell you to come out and join us on day one. You okay. could. Um, the, the only thing is, is, so there's a lot of things, and we kind of go back to the tutorials in the game. Um, like, if, if we're sitting in, in Mumble, and we have a new player drop in, he's like, hey, I want to join you guys. We're like, okay, well, go ahead and, and do go through the tutorial a little bit to at least get the feel for the game, because you need to learn how to, to fly a little bit. If, you, if you're really persistent, you just want to come out and fly with us, that's fine, but I always tell people to just go through the tutorial in the career agents because they'll give you a handful of skill books and some ships and some at least some stuff to start you out that you can't it'll save you from having to buy it and all mm-hmm. that stuff again we're going to still get you uh, out to us and we're going to provide you with skill books and ships and you know a little bit of starting is to, so you don't have to worry about that to start off okay but what we're really going to do is we want you to at least feel comfortable on the basis of the ship on the base of the game and generally what we do there's I think six uh, career agents, and out of those six, you really only need to do about four. Like what I recommend is usually exploration, military, advanced military, and if you're interested in manufacturing or anything like that, there's an industry career agent. Other than that, it's not that terribly important, but that that will cover a broad range of things you can do in EVE, and then you can kind of figure out what you want to do when you enjoy doing in EVE. So a lot of people come into EVE and say, hi, I want to mine, because I've heard, you know, I can pay for my account if I mine. Well, (laughs) that's not entirely true. Mm -hmm. Um, Yes, there's this in-game currency called... Plex or player uh, license extension or something to that effect, and right. it allows you to redeem for 30, day, 30 days of game time, which you can buy and trade on the open market, right. and you can also uh, move around in the game and potentially get blown up. 
and there's lots of lost mails out there, people moving it around and getting blown up hilariously. Uh, but um, I'm talking like 48 hundreds of Plex, which are like hundreds yeah. of months of game time. So, I mean, it, it's pretty hilarious. But uh, so what I always suggest is to go through the beginning stuff. You're not going to get a Plex by going through the career ages or anything like that, but you at least get a good feel for it. And you'll find out that if you don't like mining, you can still do exploration, and especially where we, we live out in Knoll, you can make, uh, on a good night, you can make a hundred, a couple hundred million isk easy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's just a matter of finding what you like doing in the game and then, you know, doubling down on that and learning how to do that better and better and better. So day one, we're probably not going to get you into anything. Like, you could. In, you, you can go out and undock and, and go out and explore the world on day one. There's nothing stopping you from doing that. But what, usually what we do is, I would say within like three-ish days, by the time you go through the tutorials and get your stuff wrapped up in high sec, we'll get you to move out to us. And then about three or four days from creating the character to then, if assuming you're playing like an hour or two a night or so. Right. Yeah. Well, no, because I, I when I first joined Eve, I think it was 23 days before I was even eligible to do something because I had to get so many skill points to be able to do something. So it does definitely sound like that, that new player experience has been heavily worked on. Yeah, I mean, there's always going to be skills that you're working towards. There's always going to be ships that you're going to be working towards. I mean, hey, I've been playing for over two-ish years now, and I have, let's just say, multiple accounts. And, <laughs> and, and you know, of those, I, I'm still training towards new things. I'm still trying to specialize in, in, in min-max and trying to get the best I can in those skills. So right. there's, never, there's never a point where you win Eve and get, you know, you, your level, you know, not to, to bash on out, wow, or, but just the equivalent. There's no point that you're like level 100 and you have all you know heroic raiding gear. There's always something there you're going to be training to towards working towards if you are interested in the game. You know, it's it's more like Diablo 3 where you get to a certain point and then all of a sudden now you're getting Paragon levels because you're still getting you know yeah. points to put put into stuff so that that'd be a fair comparison i think well, yeah. you know from from al's question it's almost like you know it's the guy joining let's go back and pick on wow a moment joining wow and you know boom they get an instant 90 hey can i raid well no you got to go 90 to 100 and then you have to run normal dungeons to gear up to go heroics heroics to to go raid and then we can get you in raiding whereas eve it really sounds like you get in, you spend you know three or four hours uh, acclimating to the environment, getting the skills, um, getting your overviews set up correctly, and having somebody walk you through, you know what your overlay, uh, your overview should look like, so that you recognize when an enemy's in the in the area, you know things like yeah, that. Then you got a bit easier. For example, you can share a overviews now. I can just drag yeah. and drop an overview, so I can just give you my overview just by dragging and dropping it now. Uh, and you just didn't click they, on uh, it and it says... Sorry, go ahead. Didn't they have an exploit or something with that, with the overviews where it was allowing the transfer of ISK or something? Mm, I'm not familiar with that. I, would, no, I, I haven't heard about that. Oh, I thought there was some... There was one time there was a problem with the overlays where it was allowing excessive privileges from what they, it should have been, but maybe maybe it was something I read. I can't say I've heard anything. It's not to say it doesn't exist, but I just I haven't heard anything. Yeah. So, um, Raya, the most recent release, added a bunch of cool things. Uh, one of them one of them was P 
PBR or physics-based rendering, not right. uh, perhaps blue, blue ribbon for those. <laughs> oh come on! How cool would it be? You know, just a cooler of Paps Blue Ribbon just floating right next to your ship. Yeah. So um, I don't know if it'll show That's... very well on the screen here, but I have my ship here, and so as I move around, it's probably not going to be terribly good because I'm not in a very sunny system here. But it's going to be a more dynamic lighting as I go around. This ship is not yeah. very shiny, so you won't really see it as much. Oh, well, there you go. There's a little bit of it. There you go. Oh, yeah. yeah. Nice. So it's it's more realistic rendering, and so they added all that is to the game. They added a ton of new reworked hulls to the game, so you can see that, and uh, you'll um, see you know the the newer ship models uh, for the MOAs, uh, the e- and their uh, derivative ships, for example, the Eagle and so forth. They also re- released a new um, uh, Blackbird model to the game. So that was um, a rework of the Blackbird. I don't think I have one I could show off, but that, that's they added it as well. Um, what else did they really add? Oh, and of course, Thea, uh, Thera. So Thera is a whole new uh, station system in the wormhole space. So previously, wormholes were um, actually weren't technically even intended to be inhabited. They were just more um, people... Exploration. Yeah, so so when when even or sorry, when CCP initially released uh, wormholes, they never expected people to live in them. They expected them to day trip or just go in and, and get out. Well, one of the unintended side effects, and and and, and CCP is is all for this, and they love when players do this, is when they kind of do things that they could never think would happen. And that's kind of the uh, you know buzz that's term. That's the fun you know, of emergent, the sandbox. Emergent gameplay that they love to throw around yeah. is they um, you know people do stuff that they don't expect, and as long as it's not game breaking, they're all for it. So now that I mean, there's entire corporations, entire groups, and entire alliances and coalitions that live in wormhole space from C ones up to C six, which the C stands for class. So that's difficulty and chips you can get in there and so forth. But the different um, wormholes were just kind of sort of occupiable. You could put up what are called posses or player-owned star bases, which are just placed and in, in anchored on outside of a moon. And you could go in those, but they just had a force shield around them. They weren't terribly safe. They could always be come in, and, and if someone was uh, if someone was uh, motivated enough, they could come in and siege it and cause it to be reinforced, and you'd have to either defend it or lose all the stuff in it. So with the Thera release, they released uh, the 101 scattered wormholes, and of those, or excuse me, with the Raya release, they released the 101 scattered wormholes, and of that, the main named system is called Thera, T-H-E-R-E-A, I believe. Um, I'm terrible with spelling and pronunciation, so hopefully that's right. <laughs> Um, but so it, it's a new system, and this is they they like liken it to the 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 Moss Eisley of of oh, nice. that that it's a black you know black market Jita or like a uh, you know a very uh, shady place, but at the same it's time a kind of, of scum and villainy. Yeah, somewhere yeah. between somewhere between you know a, a trade hub and also like where you wouldn't want to go unless you're you know. You know, safe enough. So they like insurance this. needs to be paid up before going there is what I'm hearing out of this. Potentially, so it's the it's the largest system they've ever uh, released. It's like 350 kilometers, uh, or excuse me, 350 AU across, I believe. 
And so, I mean, it's it's ginormous compared to all the other systems in EVE. Generally, there'll be about 15 AU uh, as, as a kind of a standard for system. This one is just huge. Um, also, they have, of course, it, it being a wormhole system, you don't have your local chat. So you, you don't know who's in the system with you. You don't know how many people oh, are in no. the system with you. You don't know anything about it. But at the same time, you have stations. So the Sisters of Eve is a faction in the game. They're a um, they're mainly like a, a, a knowledge and 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 um, they they try to spread the knowledge and try to keep things somewhat reasonable. I'm not entirely familiar with the lore on them, but they're they created stations in these systems or in this system rather. And so there's three or four of them I think in the in there. And what's really cool about the Sisters of Eve is that uh, so that since there are stations there, you don't have to worry about losing stuff. So you can put stuff in there. You can put stuff on the market in there. You can sell stuff. You can ship things in. But the trick to getting there is is that you have to scan down a wormhole. So you have to scan down a wormhole. You have to go through the wormhole, and then you have to safely to the station, which may or may not be difficult. There's a few things like there's you can deploy interdictor bubbles, but you can't deploy um, standalone deployable bubbles. Because um, people would just exploit the crap out of that in in Thera, so they removed the ability to do that. Also, you can't put any of your own uh, player owned star bases, and you can't okay, put so you, you can't claim capitals. sovereignty, right? No, so there's no way that anybody can own it. I mean, the people can move there, and so there's a whole can be a whole group of people that lives in there. But that's the right. same for anywhere anywhere in high sec or low sec and Eve. A whole a whole group of people can move there, and then they can use their sheer force to try to um, try to uh, control know, the area. Control the area. Yeah, thank you. And, but but they're not going to be able to in-game... It's not like Nullsec um, where you can actually claim sovereignty and then own that space. It's all owned by you know the NPC corp, so to speak. So basically somebody could come in, control it, and then as soon as they log off for the evening or whatever it's it might on. be, it, all of a sudden it changes hands as far as... Uh, you know, effectively, yeah. I mean, it's just a matter of... Well, I mean, you know... I, I think control is a, is a wrong word because they've made it very difficult to, to like, kind of, you know, stake your flag in any given place because yeah. it being a really large system, you can't be everywhere at once. It takes, a, it takes time to to warp from one place to the next. Right. So um, there's a lot of you can, Yeah, Sorry, you could exert local influence, but that's about it. That's about the best. I got this corner of the schoolyard, you know. And there's that one troll that just keeps jumping into the schoolyard, and every time you get close to him, he jumps away. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, and so another thing is there's no capital ships that are allowed in there as well. So it keeps things small. It keeps things uh, to smaller engagements, so you have everything that's battleship class and below that can go through there. Nice. Uh, and, of course, there's a market, so you can have people that are seeding the market there. And so if you get blown up, you can actually install your clone there as your home if you like. And you can always jump back, or you could go back there if you die, and then you could just rebuild your ship, and then you can go out and fight again. So Another it has the full one. manufacturing facilities and all that, so you could actually set up a business I'm there? not 100% sure it has the manufacturing facilities. I assume at least one of the stations does. But yeah, I mean, it has a standard station with all the general station services. Or a couple okay. of st- 
Um, and so that's the main thing. Another thing, they did remove the clone system, which was, I think, a great idea um, beyond just the um, the confusing part of it. It, it, it. What would happen is if you, you needed to basically insure your pod. And so right. for people who haven't seen an EVE, when you're not in a ship, you're in a thing called a pod or a capsule, and it's just tiny little thing here. Mine's golden. Actually, I forgot I had a golden pod. So mine's golden. Usually it's green. Actually, this does a really good... Uh, Physics-based lightings up actually undocking this fear, but the um, you're in a snitch. No, <laughs> just I hope yeah, you don't get potted, Stu. Ah, uh, no, I'm sure. Uh, this won't be the won't be the first time. But so that's the one of the things now is these they've removed the medical clone. So before the pods or the clones, you had to basically insure yourself uh, in case you died for a certain amount of skill points. And it was a very confusing mechanic, and it, it was really um, hard for new players to understand at times. So they would often run into issues where they would um, uh, accidentally forget to update the clone or something like yep. that, and they'd end up losing skill points. And that was uh, just a bad experience overall. And so they got rid of all of that. Um, they're going to look at the. They're going to review this a little bit down the road. They have a. They want to make. They want to make it feel important to. Um, you know, to die, they don't want it to just be, you know, oh, he died, no big deal. They want, right. to, they want to add some meaning to it, um, but they haven't quite figured out what all they're going to do with that. So we'll, we'll look into that. Uh, the, we'll see what they're working on there. Um, oh, there we go. Yeah, so there's now a little bit. Yeah, because that's always the thing, is, is there has to be some sort of penalty for dying, otherwise dying doesn't mean stuff. But you also don't want it to be so punishable that you cause the player to just leave the game. Like, you know, I, I if I remember correctly, you know, you would die, and if you didn't have certain levels of skill points, you would lose, you know, you could lose implants and, and other things, and it would well, you kind of drive you crazy. You always lose implants if you get potted. So that's the one right. thing, and that's, that's still in there. Because um, okay. implants are stuck to the, the clone or pod that you are. Uh, you one thing that would happen before is let's say I was out right now like I was showing you guys this off and I and I got blown up and then I immediately undocked after I got blown up and uh, and I was in my pod again and I got blown up again well I forgot to update my clone before right. I would have what's called an alpha clone where it has the minimal amount of skill points saved and it does some weird math in the background but what generally would end up happening is you would lose skill points or lose the knowledge of how to do something, and usually the highest, hardest thing to train. So whatever your character had, the, the hardest thing to train or the highest thing to train would be what you would lose. Yeah. So they got yeah. rid of all, they got rid of all that skill, uh, all that skill point loss. They got rid of the clones. So there's no right now. There's nothing in the game that that will cause that to happen on pod death. There is still T three or uh, Tech three uh, strategic cruisers. When you get killed, you still lose some skill points related to those cruisers, but that's because those are very powerful, and so they yeah. want that mechanic in there. But so it's no longer related just to your pods. Yeah, I remember when I was playing. I think I was getting up to like a stealth bomber, and I forgot to update my clone, and all of a sudden lost skill points to the point where I was like, "I'm done. I'm out." Because I had to. Yeah. It was like two or three days of work that I had to go back through and. And redo, and it was just very annoying at that point when I did what happened to me. So yeah, and so um, uh, 
it, what what would you say is your your favorite part of of Raya so far, Teresa? Or wow, I can't speak. <laughs> I can't. I my wow, my brain. It, your your pronunciation, your name just went out of my head. Uh, Did we lose it? Helps if I turn my mic on. Actually, oh, there we go. Oh, there we go. <laughs> Um, for Rhea, I've just been really enjoying the new rendering on the ships. It, it puts my video card to use, and everything just looks so shiny and much better. I can't wait till they do it with the stations, with the rocks. Everything in the game is going to look so good. I, I know one of the things that I had interest in, because um, I was playing right around the time they put in the planetary interaction and all that, and that was fun, but the I remember the interface driving me crazy as far as trying to figure out where you could put stuff and how you connected it up, and then how you yeah. got the the stuff off the planet back it's to your still, station, and how you still, collected they it. They haven't done anything there. Um, it's still a click fest, and there's not, there hasn't been any, I, I don't know exactly when you played, but since I've played from about two and a half years ago, they haven't changed PI to be it, okay. anything. And that's about where I'm at, yeah. Which which is a shame, because I think for a lot of people, they like the space flight, but they also like the... And, and I'm not trying to, you know, dumb it down or anything, but the... the Sim, uh, you know, Sim City aspect of I want to create my planetary colony so I can feed what I'm doing up in space, and and that interaction really sounded fun. And it was initially, but like you said, you know, just launching the the supply pod off the planet and then trying to find it to go pick it up was, you know, was not intuitive. Well, there is so if there's a Poco or a player-owned customs office around uh, the 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 planet, which I'm actually working to right, right. now, um, that you can you could transport it there if you had a spaceport as part of your planetary interaction. Yes, I remember so that. that. Yeah, that well, that makes it a little bit easier versus having to um, uh, export it. Uh, let me just open up local so I know it. I'm gonna kind of die. Okay. Um, <laughs> So this is, by the way, this is the Oracle, and this is one of the shinier ships, so that's why I brought it out, so you can see the new physics-based rendering on that, so it's pretty cool. Oh, nice. And nice and shiny. Uh, all the ships got really shiny. Um, but the, the, so the PI is still click fast, and the spaceports allow you to export to this, this, uh, this customs office right here, and so when you would open the customs office, you'll get this little dialogue that says items here, items, you know. Right items that you need to move over. So then you would move it over, you'd ex transfer it, and then you'd move it to your ship. So it, it's 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 a little bit easier, but if there's no customs office, you still have to you still have to jet it. There's like a space launch and then you yeah. get a little bookmark in your journal that you warp to and then you have like two or three days to warp to that or it's gone. Um, that that they fi that that's still there, but a lot of people, most people, use the customs offices nowadays, and so in all in all in high sec, all the customs offices are actually, um, as of like probably about a year ago, were all able to be taken by private corporations. Previously, they were owned by what's called Interbus, which was a a um, NPC corporation. Now it's own. Now people can take them if they want and and gain tax money off of them if they so choose. Oh, nice! Well, that's cool. 
Um, so a little bit, um, I wanted to back up a little bit. So about AIEU specifically, what we've been up to, besides just, you know, what E's been up to, um, AIEU is living in catch with Brave Collective and the Hero Coalition. So we, as of right now, we own a majority of catch. Um, just prior to the Raya launch, uh, we had a lot of uh, combat and a lot of timers with uh, Pandemic Legion, which is a name some of you might be familiar with. They're one of the bigger entities in EVE. And so uh, just before Raya hit, actually, it was... Um, I think it was within the week uh, we had a new player who uh, went on a fleet with one of our more uh, seasoned veterans, and they were both on the same fleet, and they actually ended up getting on a Titan kill uh, for Pandemic Legion. So it was his first fleet ever, the one of our new players, and he was able to get on a Titan kill, and it was one of the most expensive Titans lost in, ever in the game, which is about a, almost 100, uh, 150 billion isk. Um, which I don't have it in front of me right now, but it works out to about three thousand dollars know, U.S. Yeah, it's it's not cheap. <laughs> well, um, and the it, so if, I, if I remember correctly, for the Titan kills and the other things where you have a large number of uh, ships on board and things going on, the time sink or the time snapshot that they've done to slow down everything has really improved that whole performance, you're not lagging out of a battle anymore, right? Uh, yeah, generally it's still, you'll, you'll generally have tie-dye or time dilation, so everything moves slower so that the servers can process requests at, at the correct times and so forth. Uh, that's all still in, in place. Um, also, when the, there's expected to be a big battle, you can do a, uh, a fleet notification to CCP and they'll try to uh, put your whatever system that is on a reinforced node or one of the more powerful nodes they have on their servers so that they can handle the extra, extra load. Um, and actually, that's what's been happening a couple times now. Uh, I realize, probably I think seven times, I think. Is, uh, so there's a, a system, and it's a very popular system or to for battles to occur, HED Tech GP. Uh, it's, one, it's one of the most famous systems in, the, in our region, Catch. And... It's. I think it's like whenever anybody attacks Ketch, it's one of the first systems they attack because it, it's in Nullsec, and it's a Sovereignty Nullsec, but it has a high sec gate. So it goes directly from Sovereignty Nullsec right to high sec. Oh, nice. Uh, which, is, which is, so that it's, it's nice for that. And then also, it's generally within close range to a lot of the rest of the, um, the rest of, um, Catch, so it's kind of like a starting point if you're trying to invade or at least cause a lot of problems. So, Pandemic Legion has been giving Brave and Hero Collective a lot of content, and and they've been tacking and reinforcing the station and the posses in HED to cause content. Uh, Brave has been uh, fortunate so far. I think there's a timer sometime today, if not right now, um, where they're going to to uh, for a shield timer. Um, but the the majority of the time we've been able to recover um, either the timer, one particular timer to save the station or let one timer slip and then get the next timer. So like I said, I believe there's been seven timers total uh, for that one system and that one station in that oh, system. So, yeah, it's been pretty crazy. Uh, and uh, Brave has been down the counteroffensive. 
uh, uh, trying to take some systems back from PL that they've taken previously. Um, it's, there's a lot of there was a lot of combat going up uh, going on pre Raya. It's settled down a little bit to just being a back and forth in in HED um, from from what I've been able to follow. But for the most part, it's been pretty pretty quiet um, as of late, the last like week or so. Which means you're wondering what they're up to, right? Either that or, or I mean, there were some rumors that were getting paid to harass us um, for some other entities. And I stress rumors because a lot of people were stating it as fact, but I don't. I want to be careful not to to state it as fact because you know it is again rumors, just you know rumors and scuttlebutt. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Somebody could have been paid to be spreading the rumors that they were getting paid to harass you, and then you go through that whole cycle of how deep does the Eve politics hole go, and it goes yeah. very, very deep. Well, and, and I don't want to spend too much more time on this because I know we're running out of time, but so a couple of things that I didn't forget to mention. With the Phoebe release, they actually changed with the long-distance changes. They made it so all ships can go through Stargates. So now you have large entities like... Uh, PL being able to move their Titans through Stargates, which weren't possible Yeah, before. I was wondering about that. Because yeah, so, you couldn't move a Titan through a Stargate. You actually just had to move it through the sectors and... Or, sorry. Yeah, you would uh, have to light Thinos and jump it and jump it and jump it, yeah. Uh, right. Now, you can still do that, but every time you jump it, you incur jump fatigue, which greatly in, in, uh, inhibits your ability to move later on. So, uh, it, And you also get a, a jump fatigue timer that prevents you from jumping... Uh, X period of time after you've jumped in, so you need to be careful jumping around. Now you can't jump as far and go and so forth. So there's actually a really big fight recently in HED that um, Hero Coalition were part of, and they had a number of allies in, in, all throughout Eve that they were able to bubble um, like a large force. I'll see if I can find the picture. A large force of um, the the PL group, and they were able to put them to the point that they were stuck there, and they waited like four hours, and they eventually were able to get um, this other team called or this other group called BL or Black Legion, and they were able to get them to uh, down there. So I'm sharing my desktop, and this isn't the best image, but this is actually my background oh, right now. Wow. And this is huge. This is a huge fight where there's all Titans over here in the bottom right. Those are all PL's Titans. And Black Legion brought a, a ton of supers, and in the top right, you can barely see it. Uh, you barely see it, but there's uh, uh, some dreadnoughts and so forth that they're they're shooting. And uh, this was just a crazy big fight. One Titan was lost in this. Um, tons of carriers on both sides, and dreadnoughts on both sides. And it was one of the one of the largest um, fights post Phoebe. Um, and or no, it, it is the largest fight since Phoebe released. And actually, if you uh, let me reshare my screen real quick, so I wanted to show something. Since so, if you look in the the left here, right about I don't know if you can see my mouse or not, but yeah, right about star. Here, yeah, that star. That's called that was called a, a Caroline's uh, star, if I remember correctly. Uh, and that was um, part of the event that released the Thera area. So the, that was that that star started to grow brighter and brighter, and you saw it all throughout space. So no matter where, no matter where you all were in the entire universe, you saw this star. And so it was oh, really cool because cool you, uh, and you, it expanded, it contracted, and so forth. Um, and so it was uh, a whole part of the event was, uh, you know, seeing this star. Um, 
goes basically a supernova or, or something to that effect. We're not sure exactly what happened to it. Um, but that, that was another cool part of the Raya release. Um, Very one cool. One thing I want to mention, uh, since Hoots would kill me if I don't, is that Corp <laughs> has a contest uh, going this month, and this month it is the best lost mail, judged by oh. himself, me, and Lank. And whoever gets the best lost mail will be able to uh, win a Plex, I believe, is the prize. And gotcha. so you just got to, you, if you think you have it, uh, you just email or email uh, Hoots, and then we'll judge it at the end of the month. Sounds fun. Those, those are always fun to see. I, I know whenever I see some Eve news, usually it's around, um, look at this lost mail. Look at how much, you know, that they lost, and this is what they lost it to, and you're looking at it, and it's like a bunch of Yugos ran into a semi and took it over. You know, it's 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 crazy. So Sometimes that sounds fun. Yugo wins. Exactly. Yep. Sometimes it All does. All right. Anything else? I know I think I'll wrap it up this week, um, but um, I will say the, the holiday event is happening now through I think the sometime in early January, maybe January 1st. Uh, if you subscribe between now and then or reactivate an account for at least 30 days, you'll get um, all of the cool little doodads that you get. Um, basically, it, it's a whole bunch of items that mark the, um, the last 12 months of the year, so things from things marking like a diplomatic incident, a famous diplomatic incident or, you know, stuff like that. Uh, you can get a whole, like, I think it's 12 or, or 14 different items there. Plus, additionally, they gave everybody who had an active account an additional 20 days of multiplayer training, multi, multi-character training, rather. So, in EVE, you, per account, you can have up to three characters. Uh, as part of the, the holiday festival, um, you know, gifts, they gave everybody 20 days of multi-character training. So if you have an alt that you always wanted to train but you never wanted to take time away from your main or whatever, you can. all you have to do is you just activate it on your account and you can go and you can train a really good um, starter PI tune and do a sign-out alt. All of that can be done within, uh, you know, the 20 days that they give you. And then you don't have to train them again unless you want to. So that's pretty That's pretty. Oh, cool. nice. I had forgotten because that was one of the things that was, I think, spawned the, the fact to have multiple accounts was on your on your account, you can only have one character on that account training at any one time. So this actually allows you to have simultaneous or parallel training um, going yeah, on. Yeah, so they, a couple, about a year or two ago, they introduced dual character training and then multi-character training where you could activate a Plex and that you could train one additional character for 30 days of game time, you know, 30 days. Gotcha. And so now all they're doing is they're just giving you an extra 20 days that you can toss at any of the characters on the account and train that's on. Really, and, that's and so really it, useful. Yeah, yeah it, it's, it can be really huge, especially for new, new players. And this, as far as I, I was reading it the other day, I'm pretty sure it works if you've activated or if you ever played before or if you want to start a new character, it doesn't matter. As long as you've paid for at least 30 days before, I think, sometime in early January, you get the, you'll get the 20 days of extra multi-character training. It won't go towards your main character, but you, but right. you, have, so you, have, to act, you have to have an active account during that time to be able to, to use that 20 days, but otherwise, yeah. you know, it, it's great 20 extra days, especially for new players. I mean, you can just you can train up a scanning alt for that, and then just go do exploration. Exactly. 
Yeah, I can tell you it's for older players as well because I got an email from CCP for my character from 2006 saying, hey, come back. You can get this 20-day dual character training. Yeah, I think I got it for my my character as well. I was like, what is this? Oh, okay. So that's great. All right. Well, thank you, Stu. Thank you to uh, Sarah. Tercio. Just terse. I'm just going to remember to terse. Just go yeah, terse. There we go. Know. There we go. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, that's our show tonight. Uh, while the chat room begins suggesting show titles, we want to thank Stupid Genius and Tercio from AIE in E for joining us. And I also want to thank Hunts the Wind and Alakaz for taking over the podcast and helping me tonight. Um, Tercio, it looks like you do have an Eve stream on Twitch. Uh, and we'll go yeah. ahead and have that link in the show notes. It's FryZ0123 on Twitch if you're interested. Yes, um, I do new. I'm, I have another account that I'm just doing tutorials. I'm teaching people how to play. Okay. Um, and I'm going to be creating YouTube videos to cre- go over the whole new player experience to teach new players how to play, at least from my okay. limited experience. But yes. All right. Sounds good. Um, so, if you have a question or comment about the show, you can email us at the podcast at podcast at aie-guild.org. You can follow us on Twitter. The show is at aie podcast. For no our dash. regular host, no dash. Yes, <laughs> for uh, our regular host, Aludra is at Aludra underscore aie. McCullough is at Cyberwave. Tatsemi is at Ivory Tiger. And our amazing guest host can be found at Alakaz and at Hunts the Wind. Also, Stupid Genius Stu is at underscore Stupid Genius. And Tessero, uh, do you have a Twitter account that you would like to make known? Actually, yeah, let me go ahead and... Yep, it's at Tercio underscore Fries. So, underscore okay. Tercio at Tercio underscore Fries, F-R-Y-Z. Okay, and that'll help you remember the Twitch channel as well. We record live with video every Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. You can join the chat room and play along with us on our website at theaiepodcast.com. Our theme was composed by the amazing Andrew Allen. Follow him at Keys with Soul or visit his website at keyswithsoul.com. And now the time has come to play all of the great AIE member segments that we've received this week, including Mega Minute. Epic diapers, overly dramatic news, hmm, that sounds familiar. And of course, what would the a show be without the advice of Ask Miss Mulra? <laughs> Next week, guess what? Surprise show. Tune in to the forums, Twitter, and the podcast feed to see who's coming up next week. Until then, AIE, this is Tetsemi. This is Alakaz. And this is Hunts the Wind, and this has been the AIE Podcast. All right, and it looks like Speckles has come up with, Eve, it's all up to you, which is exactly what Eve is. It is all up to you with what you want to do. Draenor campaign jeopardized by overly cautious night. It's the overly dramatic news. I'm Hunts the Wind. 
After the hard-fought battle against the Old Horde, it isn't too surprising that the recruiters for the Alliance have been scraping the bottom of the manpower barrel. Sadly, they've been forced to accept some officer candidates who in less desperate times would be deemed unsuitable for military service. The proverbial chickens came home to roost on that policy decision earlier this week with unfortunate consequences. A young squire from Pandaria named Sony was promoted to knighthood when his master fell at Orgrimmar. Despite his obvious lack of experience, he joined the Alliance Draenor Expeditionary Force and was granted command of a garrison in Shadowmoon Valley. Things went well initially, but where some saw potential, Ner'zhul saw weakness. His agents spread threats that if the Alliance interfered with Ner'zhul's plans, the Shadowmoon clan would overrun and raise Zoni's garrison to the ground. The young Pandaren was frightened enough to withdraw his troops from the field, allowing the Iron Horde to terrorize the countryside unopposed. King Varian Rin was beyond furious when he learned of the situation, and promptly relieved the knight of command. He was reassigned to work in the stables of Stormwind, and his cowardice has earned him a new nickname among the king's forces. My Little Sony Broadcasting across all Azeroth, I'm Hunts the Wind. Check out the archives at OverlyDramaticNews.com, or follow me on Twitter at Hunts the Wind. Thrumka, and welcome to Ask Miss Mulgra, your source on matters of etiquette in Azeroth. Today's question is, should I order my peons to bathe before bringing a date over to visit my garrison? When trying to impress a date, you must put your best foot forward, so it is good to know which foot is your left and which foot is your right. Your best foot is the one you can stand upon while lifting the other one off the ground. If you fall down, start over and repeat the process until you determine which foot is the best. Your peons are lazy swords, always looking for a hiding place to grab a nap when they should be working. I suggest taking them out back to your garrison pond and asking them to line up on the shore to keep an eye on the fish. Then you can put your best foot forward into their backsides to punt them into the pond. When they swim back out, they will be clean. Job's done. I am Miss Mulgra, and that is my advice. Oh, come on, gosh. Follow at Miss Mulgra on Twitter, or listen to previous episodes at MissMulgra.com. Thanks to Hecate from Wormrest Accord for this week's question. Welcome. This is Deadrun with another edition of Ask Amagus. This week's question is, Why did the undead mages hack the Soapy Corporation? I know there have been a lot of rumors spreading around the Soapy hack and their play, The Conversation. I can assure everyone that no mage, living or undead, was behind the hack. For one, we have a sense of humor. Many in the undead community may not have one, especially when it involves Lady Sylvanas. However, we mages have a pretty darn good sense of humor. Why else would we sheep everything in sight? An investigation by the Undead Mages Guild revealed that the Soapy Hack was the work of undead rogues. It turns out they have no sense of humor at all and they're really good at planting evidence. On the other hand, you would know if mages were responsible for such an act. We don't hack anything. We incinerate it. 
Yes, that includes Frost Mages. Send your questions to Ask Amagus on Twitter. All right, everybody. Take a seat. That's it. Well, I hope you're enjoying your Kaja Colon donuts this morning. Uh, my minion actually brought that in, so, so thanks, man. No problemo. Um, so anyway, I just got the mission list, and boy, do we have a big day ahead of us. First of all, we've got some equipment upgrades from yesterday's big salvage crates. So uh, let's see here. We've got a 645 weapon upgrade, and that will go to Olin Umberhide. Uh, here you go. Greetings and thanks. All right, first some friendly reminders. We've had some problems with the outhouses here in my garrison and, well, people, come on. Just just respect everyone else and get everything in the hole, okay? Commander, it certainly wasn't me. Okay, yes, Vivian, you're right. You're undead and don't eat well and, you know, process things out the other side. But maybe you could use a fire blast or something to help clean it up anyway, okay? I am not ashamed of my destruction of the outhouse, for I consume the flesh of my prey, transferring its animal spirit to me, becoming one with the animal kingdom and completing the bond with nature. Uh, That's very nice, Rokash, but the part of the prey that doesn't become one with you becomes one with someone's shoe, so... So please clean up after yourself and maybe take some Pepto or probiotic or something. You know what? Forget it. I'll just put the missions on the back wall. Just just read them yourself. And, and Bluke, uh, yeah, can you uh, clean up the outhouse? Okie dokie. You can follow me at Epic Diapers or check out EpicDiapers.com. And remember, it's hard to balance the pew-pew with the poo-poo. Welcome back to another Mega Minute with Mega Code and Mini Chaos and all things Holy Paladin. This week I gave a brief rundown on the Butcher Encounter. We used two tanks, five healers, and a mix of range and melee DPS. Because this is a fight where the tanks take heavy damage, I pretty much focus heal the tanks. Speaking of faith, talent is perfect for this. Number one, it allows me to keep constant heals on both tanks. And number two, because I'm single target healing the tanks with Flash of Light and Holy Light, I get 40% of my mana refunded back to me. So no worries of ever running out of mana. I also like to spec into Eternal Flame to keep constant hots rolling on both tanks. I'd be sure to spot heal that tank with Glyph Flash of Light to drop a buffed Eternal Flame right after. So a few things worth mentioning. The tanks take some pretty constant heavy damage from the Butcher's attacks. Heavy Handed, the Cleaver, and the Tenderizer, which drop a bleed and debuff which require a tank swap. I like to use Hand of Sacrifice to mitigate that damage to whichever tank is not on the Butcher and keep constant heals onto the tank who's got control of the Butcher, so as to keep a constant stream of Master Shields on them. Also, be mindful for, at 30% health, he goes into a frenzy where his damage and attack speed get increased. It's here where my hand spells and cooldowns really come in handy, so plan out accordingly to have them off cooldown for this last percentage of the fight. Now, every 5 seconds, he attacks melee with his main ability, Cleave, which puts a stacking debuff, gushing wounds, on them, and every 60 seconds, attacks the entire raid with Bounding Cleave, which is a raid-wide knockback followed with a Cleave attack. Holy Prism or Light's Hammer works great for healing those with gushing wounds and melee, and I'll also use Hand of Protection for mitigating the damage from gushing wounds on a ranged player after the knockback. This is definitely not a complicated fight, but due to the heavy tank damage and Cleave ability, can 
can make for some healing fun, which also requires proper use of cooldowns and execution of mechanics, especially when trying to control the damage from the Gushing Runes debuff. So I hope this helps out and good luck. If you're on Twitter, come follow me at FFPMMark with a C, or check out my blog page at healingspec.com.